When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. I am so excited to partner with them once again in 2022 because they've got a lot of great stuff going on, including an entirely redesigned and renovated driving range and practice area. It's got Top Tracer. It's got, what, like 42 heated bays, individually heated, by the way. And it's even got a food truck and much, much more, such as two bars. Yeah, that's right. Go out to CogHillGolf.com today to learn a little bit more. And, of course, you already know about all their great golf courses, CogHillGolf.com. We're also pleased to continue to work with our friends at WorldwideGolfShops.com. You've heard me talk about them many times before. They've got everything you need for golf. They've got apparel, accessories, training aids, all the new equipment. They've got deals like every single day. And going out to WorldwideGolfShops.com might just help you improve your game this golf season. WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the show, and thank you for listening to Golf Unfiltered. My name is Nikki Dunnigan, and we are back for another episode of our mini-series, Memoirs from Magnolia Lane. Um, If you missed us last time, Adam is taking a break for a few episodes of Golf Unfiltered, and we are going to be focusing on the first major of the year, sharing some stories and traditions surrounding the tournament from the patron point of view. Um, I have a very special guest with me today that I'm very excited about you meeting. Um, This PGA professional and golf instructor has been to the Masters a whopping 13 times. Um, He's collected 58, is that right? 58 Masters badges Um, Uh and has over 40 autographs for masters winners um not just players masters winners um everyone meet rick grayson uh from springfield missouri mr grayson how are you today i'm doing great we're we're counting it down nikki we're less than two weeks away so i know you're excited and i am too and i look forward to talking about the masters yes i know we are getting close um when those temperatures start rising a little bit and the pollen comes out and my eyes start itching and I know it's getting time. <laughs> um, I know it. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I, I purposely mentioned that you were from Springfield, Missouri, um, not to out your location, but um, okay. I, I wanted I wanted to you to speak on that because Springfield, Missouri happens to be relevant because why? Could you happen to mention that for us? Sure. Springfield, Missouri is uh, relevant and it'll always be relevant in Masters history because the winner of the first and the third Masters was Horton Smith, was from Springfield, Missouri. And actually, when he won the tournament in 1934, his house is still standing here in Springfield that he lived in 
when he won the tournament. And I've cruised by it several times and looked at it and hoping it would bring me good luck in my golf game, but it's really not, not done that. But uh, <laughs> Orton Smith won the first Masters and the third. And then in 1946, Herman Kaiser won the Masters and he was from Springfield. So oh, there, wow. was three, there was three winners. 34 Horton, 36 Horton, 46 Herman Kaiser that were in that won the Masters those three times in the first 10 years of the tournament. So uh, we have a rich history here. And obviously, uh, some of the, the listeners may know this Springfield, Missouri is also the home of Payne Stewart that never won the Masters, but he won uh, two U.S. Opens and a PGA Championship. So we pride ourselves in having great players. There is a golf course named Horton Smith's Golf Course here in Springfield, Missouri, that Horton came. In fact, uh, Nikki, in two days, it'll be the 60th anniversary of the grand opening, and Horton came in and christened the course and played a round uh, of golf uh, in 1962 and passed away the following year. He was not in great health, oh. but he came to Springfield, and he said, of all the honors he received, this was the greatest honor to have a golf course named after him. So we're proud of that. Wow. In spring. Well, to win the first ever Masters tournament and then to win all of those different tournaments and and then to come back and say, hey, the, the greatest honor of my whole career is to have a golf course named after me. That's that's something. Now, did, did, is there someone currently living in that house or yeah. is it set up as like a museum or? No. No, it's not a museum. It, it is people that do currently live in the house. Uh, uh, and that, that's been the way. Horton, when he took the job in, in Detroit, he kept his home here in Springfield and was just here back and forth. But uh, there is somebody living in the house. And, and talking about Horton and his career, a lot of golfers don't know this. Horton Smith won more professional tournaments on the tour at the age of 25 and under than any player until a guy, you may have heard of this guy named Tiger Woods came along. In <laughs> other words, Horton had the most victories of any player under the age of 25 until, uh, until Tiger Woods came in and broke that record. So that shows you what a great golfer Horton Smith was at a young age. A lot of golfers aren't aware of that. Wow. And you know, I, this, this is such a random fact, but uh, speaking of young golfers, I, I actually saw, I think it was this morning, um, somebody mentioned that, you know, they announced yesterday that Phil is not going to be playing in the masters this year, um, for the first time since I think it's 1994. Um, and of the top five players in the current world rankings, only Patrick Cantlay was alive the last time Phil missed masters, wow. which is insane to think about, you know, that the top five um, players in the world right now are, are that young. Um, mm. but you know, to your point, you know, Hurt, Horton Smith was that young. Um, yes, so, you, are. you know, are, are we seeing another, another push of young golfers kind of taking over the game? Is this, is this kind of part of the, the grow the game mentality where the young guns are coming in and taking over again? Absolutely. It is. And, and, and what's, what's, what's fascinating about it, is you know in my day in the in the in the sixties and seventies, players went out on the tour. They weren't ready to win a major championship just right out of the gate, and that's not the case today. I mean, there's there's handful of players that could win any event, and we may get into your your pick at the Masters before we sign off. But but a lot of those players today that are out on the tour for the first year or two, 
could withstand that great pressure to win the green jacket, which again, that was very, very rare. Uh, Horton Smith won it in his first attempt in 34, uh, Sergeant in 35 because he didn't play in the first event in 34. He was out of the country doing an exhibition. And then the next first time winner was Fuzzy Zeller in 1979. So it's, it's, it's very difficult, but now I think it's changed to where a young player could, could withstand the pressure and, and, and win it. You know, you mentioned Fuzzy Zeller. I, I mentioned on the, the last episode um, that we recorded, the intro episode, my mom um, got to meet Fuzzy Zeller when she was going to the Masters. Um, she met him a couple of times, actually. He is one of the winners whose autograph we have, um, along with, I think we have Fred Couples' autograph as well. And we have Nick Faldo's and a couple other players who weren't winners, but um, we only have like three winners autographs. Um, I'm curious to know uh, who, who are some of the, the big name winners that you have of like the, the autographs that you, you do have? Well, I, I have a master scorecard that, that has close to 40 signatures of the winners that I've collected myself. Uh, when I go to the tournament, now they've changed it a little bit as far as how you can get autographs. Back when I were going in the 90s, it was pretty easy to, the players were really accessible to do that. Right. And uh, the, the, it's changed when they built the new range. Uh, I'll make it five or six years ago. I'm not sure exactly when the new range came in, maybe longer, but they, they've had certain areas that are just for autographs. But uh, uh, now you have to be like I, a kid to get an autograph pretty that's much. That's right, exactly. No, I act like a kid when I'm there, <laughs> but that doesn't count. Mentally, I probably am a kid, but uh, physically I, um, I don't pass on that on that test but uh the players autographs that i really cherish on my on my card are obviously the ones that that really contributed in my mind to the history of that great tournament i have sam sneed byron nelson gene sarazen also the 1946 winner that we talked about uh herman kaiser that again was from springfield arnie um jack and when arnie signed my card he was actually signing in the old where the old driving range was. He was also he was signing on the opposite side I was standing on, and a and a gentleman next to me yelled, "Arnie, can you sign my poster?" And Arnie looked at it, and it was a big poster of Tiger Jack and and Arnie. And he walked completely over and signed the guy's poster. And I was standing next to him. I said, "Could you sign my card, Mister Bum?" And he did. And then he went back to the opposite side. So it was it was it was quite a thrill, even as an adult, to have somebody like Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas. I I met him at a function and had him sign it. So it means a lot to me. And people will say, "What's it worth?" And it's it's priceless to me because it's not for sale. I mean, right. it's it's not something that I would be interested in selling because I got the autographs and that that's special. That's that's do, do you mind, do you have it? Do you mind yeah, if we, if we see it? If a good time to, to show it, tell me that, that yeah. is the signal. Wow. Wow. And we're about full on that side of it. So I, I've got I see Tom other, Watson at the top there yeah, too. Yeah. Right. Yep. Tom Watson, uh, Ben Crenshaw, Tommy Aaron, Fuzzy, you know, Fuzzy always signs in red. Yeah. So you can always oh his pick pick his out. But right in the middle of it is the Jack and, and Arnie signature. And uh those things mean a lot to me. I how I even got involved in in the Masters being my favorite tournament. I grew up in a real small 
town in Oklahoma, nine hole golf course, no golf, no driving range. The, the, the greens were about the size of the hood of your car. And uh, we didn't have a golf pro or any of that. But a friend of my dad's went to the 1969 Masters, the George Archer one, and he brought back the yellow badge and gave it to me. Hmm. So I pinned that on my golf cap for years. So I kind of started that love affair with Augusta National and the golf course based on Bob Sibling giving me that master's badge after the tournament was over. And I think that's why I've gone in that direction to collect a lot of the badges as well. You know, Ed, you know, obviously you have this insane collection and, you know, you, you started this love with um, the, this master's tournament so long ago. Um, you know, what, one of the questions that we like to ask everyone who is coming on to this memoirs from Magnolia Lane miniseries that we're doing is what makes the masters a tradition unlike any other for you? You know, is it, is it just the fact that you've been going for so long or is it, you know, is there more to it than that? You know, or is it just the fact that you started this collection and um, you, you want to keep doing it? You know, what, what is it about the, the tradition that, that kind of drew you in? Is, is this podcast about four days long? Because it may take <laughs> to tell you what it means to me. You know, uh, I, love fair. <laughs> I, I love golf. I've been involved in golf since I was 12 years old. Uh, it's my job. It's my hobby. Uh, I, 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 I love the sport and, and what all it means. But I guess to answer the question about Augusta National, it, it's kind of weird to say this, but I think you and I are masters in law. If we checked our DNA, I think we're related somewhere as, as masters-in-law. I think a lot of it is it feels like home to me when I'm there. It feels like when I go and step on those grounds that I am where I should be, where I belong. And it, it, I can't describe it, but it, I love the history of it. I love what Bobby Jones stood for, and I love what he's done with the tournament. It's not just the tournament. It is the world's greatest tournament. Uh, there's maybe tournaments that a few of the players would rather win, but no tournament is run better than the Masters. And, and I love how they control the, the, the patrons. There's no, you're the man, get in the hole on every shot, even when somebody's teeing off 450 yards and somebody else get in the hole. There's none of that going on. There's not an excessive amount of alcohol being uh, consume there because everybody uh, relishes the fact they're on hallowed grounds. And, and uh, when I walk the course, I, I feel like I'm walking in history. And uh, I am walking in history be because of what all uh, history has happened before us. And uh, uh, again, I could go on and on, but it, 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 it feels like if you're a golfer, you end up at Augusta. And I think that's the way most of us feel. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned this on the last episode, my, the first golf tournament I ever went to was the master's tournament. Um, the first golf tournament that I ever, like, that was the first tournament I ever went to for many, many, many years. Um, you know, I, I grew up going to that tournament and, you know, it wasn't until, you know, I was seven years old for, for my introduction to that tournament. And, you know, exactly like you were saying, I had never, I think the first tournament I went to that wasn't the masters was um, I think we went to the players or something. 
and, but I was like well out of college. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I was fully expecting, like I was floored that I could take my phone in, you know, I was like, I'm sorry, you can take your phone in here, you know? And like, I was floored to see people wearing jeans because again, that I was expecting people to be dressed to the nines, you know, cause they are at the masters. Um, and like you were saying, people yelling mashed potatoes off the tee. I, I, I was shocked because not that, not that that tournament wasn't ran well because it was, but I was flabbergasted. And, you know, I think we went to, um, and like you were saying, the turn, how well the tournament at the masters is run and how nice the course is set up. I remember going to the bathroom and I was like a a porter potty. Like, are you kidding me? Because I was so used to growing up at the masters where the bathrooms even are the most immaculate and, and people joke about it whenever they go for the first time. And they're like, I was not expecting the bathrooms even to be like as incredible as they are, but it's true. Even the bathrooms at the masters yes. are better That's than right. any other, you know, <laughs> which. And they have attendance in the bathroom as well, which is un, un, unheard of. And the concessions, I mean, not only are they reasonably priced, the speed that you can go through it and get your pimento cheese sandwich and your, and your drink and whatever, and get back to watching the golf, the whole experience takes less than just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you know, Bobby Jones and Clifford Roberts were geniuses in so many ways. And one of them was, we want our patrons to come to watch golf, not gouge them nickel and dime every time they turn around or try to make the most of what they can. Look, look at the parking situation there, it's free. You can't mm-hmm. go to any other major championship and, and you have free parking right outside the gate and have the shuttle come pick you up and bring you in if you're if you're disabled. Uh, again, they, the, the spectator guides are, are free. The pairing sheets are free. The way it moves through the merchandise area when you want to buy souvenirs, it the line's long, but it moves, as you well know, and you're not going to spend more than 20 minutes waiting to get into the building. And you could spend uh, four hours or 10 hours in there looking at everything. Yeah. It's, just, it's just incredible how they do it. And, and they do a fantastic job. Yeah. And I mean, even some of the things that they've introduced over the years, I know when I was growing up, they didn't have the pictures in front of the clubhouse. Um, and now that is something that they have. You know, I wish that they did because, um, you know, growing up, I when I went with my grandfather all the time, I wish that I had had a picture with him, you know, cause we only went on tournament days and you didn't get to take a camera. And so I don't have a picture with me and my grandfather at the tournament. Um, because, you know, once they did start doing those clubhouse pictures, my grandpa was the type of person he's like, I'm not standing in line for a picture. We've been here a million years, you know, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need yeah. a picture to remember it, but you know, now that is something that they do that, that patrons who, you know, whether it's their first time, whether it's the only time that they get to go, that's something that they get to keep as a keepsake and prove, hey, I've been here, um, you know, and it, those are some, some special things that they're starting to introduce. Even last year with COVID, where they did the online store and the Taste of the Masters, yes. being able yes. to do some of those type of things um, is, is such a unique experience from any other tournament. Um, and the, the way that you can watch the tournament too online is yep. so drastically different from every other yes. tournament. Um, yep. So yeah, that's, that's um, definitely something that, that makes it special, you know, and I know we talked a little bit about your, your collection and we saw your, 
um, your, your scorecard with all of the signatures. Um, I'd love to see some more of the collection. We talked about your, your collection of master's badges, but I know that you've got some more stuff. I know you also mentioned, um, and we're, we actually didn't talk about this, but I know you, you told me this, you are writing a book about yes. Horton Smith, yes. Um, yes. Yes. as well as a trivia book about the master's. Yeah, it, it, it should be out probably in the next 30 days. We're, we're shooting to get it out, hopefully, by the 1st of April for the Masters, but it may be a week or two after. And, you know, uh, the, the thing about Horton Smith, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details about it, but Horton Smith was a very unique individual from the standpoint. He, went, he was probably the first professional golfer that went to college that people didn't go to college back then that wanted to play golf and had that kind of ability. He did attend the the local college here, him and his brother in Springfield. And he became, like I said earlier, a boy wonder and won all these tournaments. He's, he's still the youngest Ryder Cup player in the history of the Ryder Cup. He was on the team when he was 21 years old. Wow. And yeah. And again, we talked about how many tournaments he won. He ended up winning 33. He was president of the PGA of America for, hmm. uh, for two years, which is what their term is. Uh, you don't see any other master's champion becoming president of the PGA of America. He was that, he was a head professional in Detroit at his club for over 25 years. So there was a lot of history that had never been, we'll say examined or explored. And uh, I got into this and just found more and more interesting facts about it, about Horton Smith. And then to, to another tie in on the book, We'll, we'll give you a little trivia question here, Nikki. So, uh, oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's okay. We, and on the cover of the book, we have 284 masters trivia or 284 masters facts. And I'll give you a hint here. It has to do with Horton. Can you guess why the number was 284 masters trivia that we put in the book? Is that, is that his like a score, a score for, okay, the year he won. Okay. Okay. When he won the Friday, you could do it. I knew okay. my, my <laughs> mother-in-law sister could do it. You made me, so nervous. You made me nervous there for a second. You, you did. I was going to give you a hint if you stuttered, but you, you nailed it. Um, the, the, when he won the tournament, 1934, his total strokes for the four days was 284. So I thought it would be cool to do 284 masters facts or trivia. And I'll, I'll tell you one before we look at the collection, if it's okay. Yeah. In, in 1959, Jack Nicholas played in his very first masters as an amateur. Okay. There's a couple of interesting facts. I'll, I'll throw another one about that. His mother, his dad, his Barbara, who was his girlfriend at the time and sister all came to the tournament. Okay. His mother came in 1959 when Jack was an amateur. She never returned back to it until 1986 Masters. What? Was the first year she came back after being there for the first year. Really? That's yes. insane. Wow. Jack Nicholas played in the Masters in 1959 as an amateur, missed the cut. He played with a McGregor Iomatic three wood. He had this McGregor Iomatic three wood in his bag. He played. He had kept that in his bag for 38 years. So when he won the 1986 Masters, he had the same three wood that he brought to Augusta in 1959 as an amateur. Wow. And Isn't that was, that the, that was the, the next time that his mom came to Augusta. Yes. 59 wow. when he first came and then 86 when he won. And wow. 
uh, in a, I believe I'd have to look the date up, but it's about in 66, 65 during a practice round, Jack lost his wedding ring on the, on the, on the grounds of Augusta national playing a practice round. I didn't know and that. Wow. After he lost his ring and, and told the masters people about it after the practice round, a bunch of the members and Jack went out and walked the whole golf course where he had been. It was never found. Somebody so has, I was about to say, someone has found that <laughs> ring. You know that. And yes, somebody yes. knows that small piece of trivia and is holding on to that ring somewhere and just keeping their mouth shut about it. So there's a lot of those types of facts. You might call them meaningless, but if you're a master's Those junkie, aren't meaningless facts. Those are very I, interesting. Yeah. That, that's why we're master's in law. But that, <laughs> th that's, what, that's what's in the book. And I put that in the book because there's going to be a lot of people that would look at this and think, ah, Horton Smith, I'm not crazy about him. I don't know much. But to get the master's facts, it kind of updates it. It makes it more where a current master's fan would would want to thumb through the book or purchase the book to uh, to look at these things. So wow, that's very interesting. I'm I'm excited to read it. Where where can we find the book once it does come out? Well, you, it, it, they can contact me right now. I'm not sure exactly okay. where it's going to be, but we'll give your contact numbers if you want to do that and uh, and go from there. You want to take a look at some of the collection? Yes, yes. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Okay, right. okay. this is uh, <laughs> I. When, when, we, when we built this house, me and my wife, 20-some years ago, we have a, what we call an upstairs bonus room. And when we did the bonus room, Nikki, we had the carpet put in green. We had the ceiling. Of course, of course. We have the ceiling painted blue with clouds in it. And we have two cups that were mounted in the floor where we can put a flag in the room just like a cup on the green. So we had all that installed uh, when we built the-, the I see the, the clouds, that's nice. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not sure exactly how well you're gonna see. If you see something that you wanna ask me about, uh, here is the uh, Bobby Jones. We have a Bobby Jones autographed book. Uh, his book, Golf is, is My Game, a, a plate from the 1997 uh, Masters. Am I doing okay on the- pictures yeah yeah we can see yeah i see the book you see the plate 97 that's an important year for tiger woods fans that's exactly right this was the copy of golf magazine golf digest that came out in the 50s and you can see it's kind of a small magazine compared to what it is is today this is a master's watch uh this is the man himself uh i'll see if we can get it to where well up up there we go yep oh it's upside down but we see it <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll do it this way. Then. Sorry. Nikki. There we go. No, you're okay. There we go. Oh, I see that. I recognize that signature anywhere. The Tiger Woods autograph card. Uh, this is a, a replica of the very first program that the, Ma the Masters did a program in 1934 and 1935. And then they didn't do another program until 1990. This is a replica of the first one that they sold in the pro shop in the 80s. Is what no, they're still is. they're still doing the programs now, right? You can actually buy right, those right. at that at Barnes and Noble and pretty much any yes. drugstore in Augusta within a fifty mile radius of Augusta. Yep. And and every time I go I go into Barnes and Noble. Yep, that's right. And we we in Springfield they sell them because the clerks say, uh oh, must be Masters time. Here comes Rick. So they know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is a set of clubs that uh, 
Bob Kalecki, that was the head pro with David Dave Spencer for over 30 years. This is his his clubs. And what's cool about it, it's got his name on them. And it also has the master's logo. Not as good as your tattoo, but but close. <laughs> that's still pretty, see. that's still pretty cool. And I'll tell you a real quick story. I talked to Bob Kalecki about the clubs and he played Wilson clubs when Clifford Roberts hired him as the head professional. And after he was hired, Bobby Jones asked Bob, he said, Bob, I'm on the advisory board for Spalding. Would you mind switching clubs and play Spalding? Hmm. Bob said, not a problem, Mr. Jones. And he bought, he started playing Spalding the rest of his life. Those are those are early 70s. And again, it's got the Augusta logo on it with his name stamped on the club. So it's pretty cool. Uh, this, and again, I'm not sure how I'm doing with the viewing. Yeah, Nikki, a little sideways, but we can see. Not, yeah. This I is see. a Horton Smith staff bag. Go ahead. Can you tell it? Yeah, I can see the staff bag. Mm -hmm. I see all the annuals behind you on the shelf too. And these are the annuals that they started coming with in about 1977, and they still do it every year. We have every every annual. This, if you can see this, Nikki, mm -hmm. I don't know if you can read on there. It says Clifford Rock Personal Hat Augusta National. That was owned by wow. Cliff Roberts, that hat. But how do you know that? Inside the band, it says especially made for Clifford Roberts Augusta National on the wow. inside. Man, and I thought my little like master's collection of flags here was <laughs> impressive, but man, that is quite, quite the collection you have there. I, I don't even want to know like how long it took you to get half of these things. And, you know, I'm, I'm guessing are most of these things collected from the tournament? Are you collecting these things from other golf fans? In, are you not wanting to give away your secrets? No, <laughs> Anybody that 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 has master's memorabilia, I've either traded or bought. Some of them are auction items. Uh, this here, I don't know if you can see it. Can you see that? That is Horton Smith's typewriter. Um, angle down just wrote. a little bit. Angle down just a little bit, and we can uh, on that typewriter. That way, or the angle down just a little bit, and I think we can see it. And then to the left, or I guess it's to your right. Right now we're seeing the, the bag. I'm trying. Oh, I see the book, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Probably too fast, but there, there you, you go. Yep. Yeah, we see the book. Mm -hmm. And that book's autographed by Horton Smith. This is his typewriter that he wrote the book on. And on the back of it, it has a uh, name label. And it's got Horton Smith, the Bonaire Hotel in Augusta, Georgia. Horton Smith stayed a lot at the Bonaire, which a lot of players did back in the early days of the Masters. And uh, Horton also married a lady uh, that's grandfather started the Singer, Singer Sewing Machine Company and was a multi, multi, multi millionaire. He lost all of his money in the stock market. Oh, no. And that's what he was planning on giving Bobby Jones the $70,000 to buy the property. And because the stock market, he couldn't do it. So he only mm -hmm. gave him, I believe, $10,000 or $15,000. His name was Alfred Bourne. That was Horton Smith's father-in-law. And they, they had uh, 
he married Barbara Bourne, Alfred's daughter. They had one child that was killed in the 80s in a plane crash. But uh, anyway, it's kind of fa fascinating story that Horton's wife, his Horton's father-in-law was really the vice president of Augusta National under Cliff Roberts. Wow. Wow. That's a very small golf world, I guess. And everything, exactly. everything ties back together. Um, yes. Well, it's very obvious that you have a, a unique passion for this tournament and this golf course, um, and obviously all tied together from where you live and from um, your connection to Horton. And like you said, um, it, it, everyone who has this kind of unique passion is, um, I guess, what was the term you used? Masters in law? Um, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I like that. I like that term. Um, but, but, but um, you, I, you know, Nikki, it all comes from your heart. It, it, it isn't when you were kind of kidding, saying your, your collection's small, your collection's great because it's important to you. And the size of the collection does not mean anything. It, it doesn't mean that you're more, I'm more of a fan or you're more of a fan. As long as you have that, that love and compassion for the tournament, it doesn't matter if you don't collect anything, but you just look till the days are coming up where you can watch the tournament. Those are as big a master fans as, as you and I. Uh, so a hundred percent true. You are absolutely right. You don't have to have a single thing collected absolutely. and you can still be just as big of a fan. That is such, such a great point. And, and I hope that there are listeners out there who um, take that to heart too. Cause I know there are listeners out there who, um, have probably never been to the tournament and who probably never don't have a master's flag or a master's badge or um, definitely don't have the master's logo tattooed on their body um, either. <laughs> but um, but that does not mean that they are not just as big of fans of the tournament as you and I are um, or fans of Tiger Woods um, or Horton Smith um, or other masters winners. So that's that's an, a very excellent point and a good point to end on too. Um, again, I just want to thank you so, so much for, for being here and for joining sure. us. Um, and uh, we, will, we will link your information in the episode notes so that if people are interested in the book, they can contact you. Um, I know I'm very excited to, to get it once it comes out. Um, looking forward to it. And um, we will hopefully talk to you soon as um, the book comes out. And I just want to thank everyone for listening again. Um, we will have um, another episode coming to you soon, again, with a, another master's patron who um, is just as passionate as Rick and myself. Um, you can follow us on social media at Golf Unfiltered. Um, you can follow myself at Nikki Dunnigan, N-I-K-K-I-D-U-N-A-G-A-N. Um, and as always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, uh, you can reach um, Adam at Adam at Golf Unfiltered. Um, if you have any uh, concerns, probably reach Adam. Don't reach me. Um, <laughs> joking a little bit. But um, or you can also reach me at Nikki at GolfUnfiltered.com. And um, we will see you again soon for another episode of Memoirs from Magnolia Lane. Cheers. <laughs>